up, y'all, and welcome to the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, back in action here on May 28th, 2020, Thursday afternoon. We have some good news, it seems. It's it's an optimistic time, I think. Maybe it's just the good weather starting to warm up outside, but I think there's a lot of good stuff to talk about today in the world of sports with... Whether or not we will get a Major League Baseball season, maybe that one, maybe not super optimistic about it, but there's so much to discuss with it. It's a fascinating time in the world of sports as we navigate through a territory that we've never been in before. NBA is working on a plan to get their season back in action, get a playoff system going later this summer, and big props, National Hockey League has a plan in place. They are going to resume play. What does it all mean? We will discuss all of that today. I spoke last week about the last dance 30 for 30 docu-series with a couple of awesome guests, Daniel Setsky and Jonathan Clancy. And we also podcasted on the Survivor finale. Amy Vander Hayden and Aaron Levitt joined me. If you're interested in those, go back and check out those episodes. But let's get into the action today. And I have such an awesome guest joining me, a fixture on the Jack Vita show. He's a staple of this show. We need this guy in order to keep going. Jordan Morandini is with me once again. How are you doing, Jordan? Jack, thank you. Thank you for having me back. And thank you for the kind words, too. I'll take a staple on the Jack Vita show. That's an honor. <laughs> and here's something, a little peek behind the curtain for all of the listeners. Jordan and I do not communicate at all unless we're podcasting. We we only <laughs> this is the only time that I ever get to talk to Jordan. Well, Jack, we don't have to go that far. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding, Jordan. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we Jordan exchange texts here and there. Correct? Jordan and I communicate every day. He's one of the people that I trust most in my life. But it's always fun when we hop on a Skype call and we talk some sports. For sure. No doubt about it, Jack. I, I always look forward to these days. <laughs> but it has been a little while. We started our MLB preview series over three months ago now. Still no baseball. Was not expecting that. <laughs> we still Wait, have to finish yeah. our MLB preview. <laughs> well, that's what I was about to say. I'm like, Jack, I was supposed to be on here, what, two or three more times since <laughs> at this point um, to discuss other MLB divisions and such. But yeah, oh, well, don't even take me back to that time. I was Because at that time, we hadn't known of the whole Corona situation. We were both so, so excited for the MLB season. And now it's like, well, uh, Jack, uh, what are we going to get baseball-wise this year? So <laughs> times have definitely changed since the last time I've been on this podcast. Yeah, it's been pretty wild, and it was so weird because it came right in that week where we were scheduled to do several podcasts. In fact, we did maybe two earlier that week. At least I did two. I know I spoke with you mm-hmm. uh, the day. It was like the day before they started closing everything down. And but I will say credit to our our listeners, our audience, they've been eating up that MLB preview stuff, regardless of if we get a season or not. So we are going to ramp up the intensity here 
we're going to give the listeners an NL Central preview. That should come out sometime over the next couple of weeks. And that's always the one that everybody looks forward to, Jack, for one specific (laughs) reason. (laughs) The good old Chicago Cubs. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, Jordan, how have you been? Are you doing well in this time? I am, yes. The family's good. My friends are all good. So I'm very thankful for that. Um, I mean, Jack, we're in such interesting times to the point where, you know, you can't even go out to a restaurant. You can't go to a gym to work out. I've been doing my workouts while watching 24 for the 88th <laughs> time in my life <laughs> for the past month and a half now. Um, but yeah, you know, more than anything, everybody close to me is healthy. So I have to be thankful for that. So I am in good spirits. How about yourself? Yeah, things are pretty good. I don't know anyone who has contracted COVID-19, thankfully. So that's that's a blessing in itself. Things are different right now, but we're making the most of it. God is still good. We're still podcasting. And I've been enjoying watching some TV shows myself, as well as some movies. We don't have to dive too deep into this, Jack, but give me some names. (laughs) Well, you know I'm always watching reality TV. Of course. So... (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) So I've seen uh, Amazing Race season, Survivor season, a little bit of Celebrity Apprentice. I've watched a few old seasons of The Challenge on MTV, and I've been catching up on Always Sunny. And when I finish Always Sunny, I intend to start the league. Oh, the league is a good one, Jack. You will will enjoy (laughs) the league. It's actually a lot like the... uh, uh, the Jack Vita show league that we participate in. <laughs> yeah. Well, as you watch it, you may uh, say no, not one bit, <laughs> but it is definitely a very entertaining show and I would suggest it. <laughs> awesome. And do you have any movie recommendations from anything you've watched lately? See, Jack, I'm the type of guy who kind of picks the the set of movies that he likes and can just watch those movies over and over again. Cause I'm not like a huge movie watcher. So my go-to series, Austin Powers, I've actually been going back and watching those here and there throughout this time. Uh, the Dark Knight series, they're the Dark Knight trilogy are some of my favorite movies. And then the American Pie series as well. So that's my big three for you, Jack. If you're looking for something, go back and watch. One thing I can always count on from Jordan is consistency. He never changes. <laughs> he loves the same things all the time. And it's good to have a stable presence on this podcast in that regard i just saw a movie i I give a quick recommendation patriots day the mark Wahlberg film on the boston bombing was i thought it was great i loved it i hadn't seen it before but it was educational on the situation i think if you didn't know what happened or you don't remember it filled you in on it it was very true to the real life events and it was a cool celebration of America and just how awesome the Massachusetts police force did in tracking down those two terrorists and how excited everyone was when they were able to open things back up because, believe it or not, I they were sheltering in place before sheltering in place was cool. Yeah, and I've, I don't go to the movies much, Jack, but that actually is one that I did see in the movie theater. Fantastic movie. I would definitely recommend that too. Great movie. Wahlberg is just awesome. I love his stuff. (laughs) One of a kind. (laughs) Truly one of a kind. 
So we, we had a lot of fun watching old stuff, but it looks like we're going to get some new stuff here. PGA Tour, the match, Phil and Brady versus Peyton and Tiger. What'd you think? <laughs> Jack, I'm not going to lie. I thought it was great. <laughs> oh, I got, loved it. We got a little bit, a little trash talk. I liked that we were able to hear a lot of what they were saying throughout it. And that was kind of my one thing that I really wanted uh, to occur during that is you, you wanted to hear what they were chatting about mid match. And I thought that was a really fun part of it. And I think the fact that honestly it was a close match as well made it even that more enjoyable too. kind of came down the stretch. You were kind of hoping that like Phil would hit a magical shot or something along those lines to tie <laughs> things up. Although they were running out of sunlight again. Uh, can we schedule these golf <laughs> these matches <laughs> a little bit earlier in the day so we're not running out of sunlight um but yeah jack i thought it was fantastic and look any sporting event right now is doing fantastic in terms of viewership and this was i think like the highest viewed golf event ever or something along like it, on, on cable on cable okay so yeah it had like six million <laughs> viewers or something so it was a great event all around um and i really enjoyed it yeah, it was great. One thing I loved was they did the match before, and I think it was pay-per-view. And this time, anyone could watch it. Mm-hmm. And they incorporated that element of Tom versus Peyton. And especially this rings true to the era that we grew up in. You're either a Peyton guy or a Tom guy, or you're either a lefty guy or a Tiger guy. Yeah. And so I got to watch my favorite quarterback, Tom Brady, and my favorite golfer, Lefty, playing together and that was just awesome and i think it's really cool that people have been able to see that they're cool with each other now all these guys well i think they did a really nice job developing the teams too because i think the two personalities in that are peyton and <laughs> phil right and then yeah. the other two are a little more locked in when they're <laughs> participating in a sporting event so you got you got one guy on each side joking around a little bit throughout the event, and then the other one kind of locked in. I thought the teams were very well made uh, put together, um, and I think that kind of added a really fun element to it as well. I loved seeing Phil caddying for Brady, <laughs> and I think there's like he has the Romo type of potential mm-hmm. for when his career is over as a golf broadcaster. I tell you what, I could listen to him talk about how to work a green <laughs> all day, every day. I mean, that was another fun part of it, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Is you, you came out of that thinking, I mean, it got me on the golf course within the next two or three days. You're like, wait, I want to try what I learned. I can't say it went over really well, but <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was a, such a such a fun event, and uh, yeah, it's always fun listening to a guy as good as Phil Mickelson uh, talk about the sport the way he does. Yeah, lots of fun there, and since then we've had plenty of news in the sports world. It seems like we, thankfully, for we had about eight to ten weeks where it felt like all the momentum for the longest time was everything's getting worse. We have to take more precautions. We have to keep closing more and more stuff. And now it seems the momentum is swinging the other way that we're slowly moving towards going back to and reopening stuff, which is wonderful news. And in the sports world, we had news earlier this week, the national hockey league plans. They have a plan in place. And now there are a few details they need to work out. 
but they are going to be bringing back the NHL season. They'll be jumping to a 24-team super playoff. Jordan, you're not a big hockey guy, but there isn't a lot of sports to choose from right now. I might be diving in. (laughs) Are you you jumping in on this? Yeah, Jack, like you said, I'm not a big hockey guy. I will watch the playoffs portion, but often nothing more. I'm not tossing on regular season hockey. But huge shout-out to the NHL here. And and looking at my two other favorite leagues that haven't figured it out yet, it might be time to try and figure it out. The one thing is, Jack, okay, so they come out with this plan. It's the two locations. It's the 24 teams. They have not announced a date yet, correct? They don't have the dates, and they don't have the locations. They said that they want to have two different cities, at least at the moment. That could change, where you put half the teams in one city, the other half in another city, and you sort of quarantine them for a little while. And then I don't entirely know for certain if their plan is once they move, if that that would function as the two different sides of the bracket. And once you get down to two, then maybe you're able to move those two teams into the same location. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like something along those lines uh, is tentatively planned at the moment. And I like how they're kind of skipping right to the postseason here. Because, like you mentioned, if they're quarantined like that, and I think that's one of the big issues with baseball is you don't want these guys just huddled up for months on months on months. Um, if you skip right to the postseason like this, you know what is it going to be? A month maybe of, of, a, of a postseason, maybe a little more given the amount of teams that are involved. And that's that's twenty four. Is that up from what sixteen? Is that the standard in it? Yeah. NHL? Okay, that's correct. Yeah, so eight more teams, um, and it. I'm not going to lie, Jack. I kind of like the addition of eight more teams. I don't know how you feel about it, but hockey seems like a sport where you might have a 24 seed coming in here or <laughs> and throwing an early upset. It might be like a March Madness type thing. Um, they, it could could be really fun. Uh, but, yeah, hopefully the NHL is able to figure this out sooner rather than later because I do think that would be a really, really fun playoffs to uh, to be able to watch. Yeah, I'm in wholehearted agreement with you, Jordan. I think it's going to be really awesome. March Madness is my favorite time of the year on the sports calendar. And so to anything that resembles March Madness <laughs> in a fashion that makes sense, that's the key phrase there, yep. because we'll talk about what MLB's potentially looking at here. And maybe some sports, it might not make the most sense to do March Madness style, but I think with hockey 24 teams you're going to have six teams missing the playoffs which i don't know if that is relieving in a way (laughs) where you say hey this is kind of nice we're not really going to do anything here we don't have to force ourselves through this but at the same time it's a little humiliating i definitely would feel excluded if our intramural softball team was (laughs) put through this situation well let's let's make it clear jack we wouldn't have been one of the bottom six teams. Oh. We, we, we would have been all right there. <laughs> there are so many weak teams, too. That's yeah. the thing. Well, that is fair. <laughs> we're not going to talk about that. Hey, they were great competitors. Fantastic <laughs> competitors. They gave it their all when they took us on. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that, I mean, if you're one of those six teams, you have to think, you know, you probably weren't going to make a big splash regardless. So you're probably not losing sleep over it. Although, you know, like I mentioned, in a sport like hockey where you do see some pretty consistent upsets in postseasons, um, I think, Jack, I almost think it would have been interesting to have every single team involved <laughs> and see what we get. 
Well, I know that the Blackhawks are in, which is going to be cool to have a rooting interest. The six teams that are not making this postseason interesting enough, if you were not paying attention to hockey this season, you'd be surprised to see these teams at the bottom of the standings. The Detroit Red Wings, Ottawa Senators, San Jose Sharks, LA Kings, Anaheim Ducks, and the New Jersey Devils. Those are some teams with some pretty good legacies there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they get a longer off season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think this year. could be, I think, again, great job on the part of the National Hockey League to get a plan in place and to maximize on this opportunity when they have a there's a possibility that their sport could be the only sport that's on and i know that uh a, about a week or two ago the bundesliga german soccer league reopened and there were all kinds of people who were flocking to that that weren't even soccer fans i'm not <laughs> i'm not that hungry for sports content not that not to say that people who like that are wrong in any way but i've just never been at soccer's never been at the top of my priorities so you could see a lot of people this would be if as it stands right now this is the only big i mean this is the biggest league Mm -hmm. in america that has a plan in place Mm -hmm. because you got pga tour and you got nascar but in terms of team sports nhl has an opportunity here to really capitalize on this and bring in a lot of new fans. And yeah, and Jack, while we're on this topic, I think me and you probably feel the same way where, you know, everybody who says baseball is a dying sport, we almost wish baseball could figure it out as well here because of that same opportunity. Um, Yeah, and I think it's, you mentioned the PGA Tour too. I think this is a great time for golf to make that play. And I'm happy that golf's figured it out to the point where they do have a starting date, right? The first tournament is what? early june like early to mid june yeah june 11th yeah. is the opening for the pga tour fantastic job by them to get it solved and get it figured out and now you just wonder you know on the nhl side if they're able to find that date if you see that window where these other leagues still aren't open where the nhl can really really take advantage not only from just a viewership but uh, this has become so or in sports as a whole has become so big jack is the betting aspect <laughs> yes, i don't want to go yes. here but I mean, it's a huge thing in sports now. And I think all the people who were betting day in and day out on NFL and NBA and wanted to bet on MLB, that that type of audience can become a, a big, consistent viewership for the NHL as well. So I think there's huge opportunity here. And shout out to the NHL for at least getting a plan in place. But now it's really try, time to take advantage as long as, as long as it's safe, of course, take advantage and, and to try to cash in. I'm glad you brought up the money with gambling and we won't go too deep into this but i heard a it was an ad on a podcast yesterday and it was for bet online and the bet online ad said hey if you miss football don't worry we have madden simulations that you can bet on (laughs) jack that has become a really popular thing (laughs) which at this oh man fanduel has been running fantasy reality tv for survivor and the challenge over the last two months and that's been fun to participate in as well (laughs) and i've also seen um 
draft i think it was DraftKings. they have like so the gaming obviously the gaming world still has events um so you can play DraftKings and pick gamers to put in your DraftKings lineup for specific things <laughs> oh no and i i I don't have the exact numbers, but you have to believe those numbers of participants in terms of DraftKings guys has definitely went up in those events as well. So, <laughs> I mean, these sites are getting creative, Jack. They're trying to find ways to keep it rolling. Absolutely. You mentioned what the MLB is facing right now. And let's let's move over and let's talk about that sport This is probably going to be the meat and potatoes of our conversation here. We will talk NBA a little later on, so stick around for that. But we have a lot to talk about with Major League Baseball. We have the baseball on the Jack Vita Show logo. This is, I think, my podcast is known for being a baseball center in a lot of ways. So we have to talk baseball here. Yeah, and uh, it's it's my favorite sport to talk about. So I'm right there with you, Jack. Likewise. Let's move on. Yes. Let's move on. All right, so we got word, I believe it was two or three weeks ago, Major League Baseball, owners have a meeting. They're going to try to figure out if this thing's going to happen. And the owners put out this proposal, 80-game regular season, Either 80 or 82. I'm not entirely sure on the specifics there. I think believe it was 80. Believe it was 82, I think. 82. This needs to be agreed upon with the players. And as we know, out of all the leagues, the owners and the players' relationship in this sport seems to have the most amount of distrust. So right now, we're going back and forth. Players don't want to get their salaries reduced too significantly here there's a lot that we have to talk about on this subject but we're in the middle of players and owners need to find some common ground need to make an agreement in order for this sport to be played in the summer of 2020 we will talk about plenty of this along the way what are your primary thoughts on these negotiations what's been sticking out to you and what's on your mind right now jordan well jack it's a very interesting situation i mean and it's evolving it seems like each day with a little more information coming out from both sides of the camps there whether it's the players or the owner's side um it's and maybe shockingly to me jack i don't know if you've seen the same and I don't. It, and this is just across social media, from what I've been paying attention to. But it seems like a lot of people are siding with the owners here. Have you gotten that same feel? I think I've seen half and half, but it okay. seems to me, I will just say right now that I have an easier time siding with the players personally. I am with you on that, and that's why. So it was it's surpri- kind of Yeah, I would say it's surprising yeah, yeah. to see as many people who have sided with the yes. owners as there are. Yes. Yes, and I think it's important to to um say here is that the initial agreement or initially what the players wanted was if we're going to play half the games we get half the salary right um and that's kind of where the owners had to argue you know everything that has come into play with corona whether it's the fans aren't going to be in attendance and we're going to lose the parking and then the concession you know, bang 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 you're losing a lot because of the scenario if you do end up playing this season um and then i 
read this, and this is what the owners proposed. And I only have Phillies numbers in here, so I'll just mention a couple players. But this is the current what the owners are proposing. So Bryce Harper heading into this year was expected to make $27.5 million. From what is proposed for half a season, so the 82 games or whatever, he would make $6.5 million. So that would be a $21 million swing there, Jack, for half the season. Um, So you can clearly see why there's going to be some frustration on the player's end. Um, And, I mean, that, that affects everybody, of course. It goes down and down. So those guys with the minimum salaries are probably, I don't know what the minimum is in the MLB, uh, maybe a million or something along those lines, but they're probably only making 300 to 400K given the, the way these contracts are being changed for this these value, these prorated values. Um, so you can, cl- I, I mean, this to me, I, I, I completely understand the player's argument. Um, Jay, I don't know about you, but I don't, see the players agreeing to something like this when a guy who's supposed to be making $27 million is making six for half the games. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I'm I'm agreeing with you on this. It seems that we have a ways to go, but yeah, overall, I'm remaining optimistic. I think we can figure this out. We have some time. Now, There is there cause for concern? Absolutely. But something I was hearing was... We're going to go back and forth here, and the players are going to try to see what they can get. I heard something that the players, in order to up that money and to get their to get mo- a salary that's more reflective of what they're worth and what they're normally being paid, is to mm-hmm. push for a hundred games instead of eighty games, because then you have to pay them more because you're playing more games, and then mm-hmm. the owners are going to in theory, make more money because you're broadcasting more games. Now, obviously, the owners are going to take a big hit. I heard that the Cubs could lose $200 million just from not having fans in the stands. That's where 70% of their revenue comes in. Those those bleacher beers aren't cheap, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I think maybe that uh, is just reflective of how expensive their ticket prices are. But uh, yeah, definitely to an extent. <laughs> so I can't. I don't feel too horrible for the owners if, depending on them losing money. So we could get potentially more games, more money for everyone, and I think that's a win for everybody if they're able to work it out. Because then, as fans, we get to watch more baseball. I would agree with that. The only thing with the hundred game proposal here is is if you're going to agree on 100 games, you need to find that agreement as soon as humanly possible. Um, because, it, I mean, what is it, Jack? It's all about, it's May 28th here Yeah. while we're recording this. If you get to mid to late June and you're just agreeing to 100 games, yeah. um, that's going to put you in a really tough spot because the players are probably going to need a two-week spring training or you know, two weeks something to get ready for the season, an official thing. Um, you're going to be playing games until all the way through October and maybe early November. Um, and that might just be the regular season if you're going to try and play 100 games. So that's going to put you at a really tough spot. Um, so, you know, with each day that goes by here, it becomes more and more crucial to try and find an agreement if this season is really going to happen. Yeah, there's a fair balance between we need to get this done ASAP and we do have a little bit of time. So I think if we're just... Again, we don't have any inside sources here. 
and we are not, not experts on how that. you start up a league and anything of that nature. <laughs> but let's just let's just brainstorm here for a second. So let's say that they're able to get a deal done by June 10th. And that gives you maybe a week to say, hey, spring training starting up in a week. Everyone mm-hmm. get out to wherever, go back to your spring training complex, whatever you're going to do for spring training. Maybe you're just doing spring training, you're having practices, and you're just doing inter-squad stuff in your own stadium. I don't, I, I don't know. And I think that would, yeah, I think that was something proposed. I read Phillies wise that they would, they were going to have the option of where, uh, uh, either Clearwater or, um, actually South Philly or something. So the team might just get together by themselves, um, and have that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, which I think would make a lot of sense if you, if you have to put it together very quickly and you yeah. just need two weeks or whatever to get ready to go. I don't think there's a huge need for everybody to be in the same area spring training wise. So you could have, Everyone out there by June, you have deadline, let's say June 10th. Let's say this all is figured out by June 10th. Then you have a week to get everyone for spring training. And then you get two weeks for spring training. And then you're at that July 1st start. Now, that gives us two weeks here to figure things out. So that means while we have to work quickly on this, we also, we don't have to let get to the point where we're getting so hasty and impatient that oh my gosh we only have two days and now we're going to get really angry at each other and nothing's going to happen so there is a little bit of time we have here yes um but again if we're gonna a lot of it depends on if you go from 82 to 100 yes um because the 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 more you discuss 100 and i get it from the player's standpoint but the more you just uh you discuss 100 the more double headers you're probably going to have <laughs> in those days, um, the less off days you're going to have, obviously. Um, like adding those 18 games is a big, big thing when we're probably looking at a, if we were looking at a July 1st, you're looking July, August, September, that's 90 or whatever. And that's only if you don't take an off day, <laughs> which is going to all automatically put you in the regular season wise at mid October. Okay, well what if we play a hundred and we play him at a fairly fast pace? We don't have too many off days. And I I understand the grind from the player's perspective, but at the same time, they're playing sixty less games. So and, and Jack, I actually have something on this too. Why not add a couple roster spots for this season? I that has been I think I've heard that being discussed with the NBA and also potentially with Major League Baseball. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think it makes a ton of sense. And even if it's only a couple extra arms you can add maybe, um, and maybe a bench slot or two, you know, something minor um, in terms of the everyday guys, but something that gives you another utility guy or something to get an extra guy an extra day off here and there. I think that's something that definitely needs to be proposed if the 100-game thing does go through. And so let's say we do 100. And this ends up, we end up playing later into the year. Well, what if we just have a neutral site World Series where it's down in Miami or we have it in a dome in Minnesota or at Miller Park? Looking at it realistically, I'm not optimistic that I'm going to be able to go to any games as a fan this year. And that's a bummer, but it's a price we'll pay if we get baseball back. 
So if we're already looking at not too much home field advantage from a crowd perspective, now obviously you have advantages with the way your ballpark is built and being able to not have to travel and all that, but we could say, hey, the Marlins are not making the playoffs. <laughs> let's let's have this whole thing happen in Miami, like similar to what the NHL is going to do with how they're going to keep everyone in two cities and what the NBA could be doing. I think that that is an opportunity there. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. What do you do postseason wise in that proposal? Do you try and have the postseason in the specific cities, or do you just have an entire postseason? So it depends on what the timetable is that we're looking at because we have had games played in New York, Washington, D.C., L.A., Houston. So some some warm locations, some cold locations, and those games have been played in early November. The Cubs won the World Series in November. So we're already playing games in the cold. And that's something that they've wanted to. I know that's not something that's ideal. And I know that they've they've bumped up the start of the regular season to try to end sooner and have more off days. Mm-hmm. But I will say, so let's just say the regular season ends in mid-October. Well, let's maybe you could have that first because we're talk we're going to talk about this in a little bit this seven team in each league playoff mm-hmm. proposal. So let's say we're doing that. Now maybe you're able to have that first couple of series at home and I I don't know what that I don't totally understand how how long it's going to take to play a seven you know get <laughs> yeah. down to one team in each league, but maybe you're looking at having the conference or sorry the the league series nlcs and the alcs in the same location or just the world series so it could be kind of like the final four where you have a game and then they they come off the field and then the next team plays yeah oh that's it oh that wow <laughs> that would be interesting <laughs> that's an interesting proposal that i can get behind i want to make a comment on the cold weather thing too look players aren't gonna like playing in the cold as a fan, I don't mind a cold weather game. <laughs> I don't mind watching guys go at it when it's you know thirty five degrees out. Uh, I think it, it adds another element. It's just like in football; like we all love a snow game. Yeah, um, I know baseball is a little different, and we don't need snow on the infield while we're playing ball games. But um, <laughs> but I do think that 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 adds an element. Um, and I think it would be something that, you know, on a weird year like this, you know, let's get crazy. Let's have some cold, some really <laughs> cold playoff games. Um, and then when it gets to the point of, yeah, I think the NL and ALCS, that's probably where you would make that decision to maybe go to a, a warm weather state or, you know, a neutral site um, for the for the nice little final four. It could be kind of fun where you have like, all right, Joe Buck and John Smoltz and they're like, all right, next game on in 45 minutes. We'll see you then. Well, let's go back to the studio crew. And then we have our average at best MLB studio crew that's going to, <laughs> you know, get a set for this next Break game. It but down. It'd, yeah. be, it'd be kind of cool because you could have like you see shots of 
So let's say American League Championship Series. And we're, we're going to eventually preview this whole thing and what our playoff picks are. But we'll just, for the sake of this podcast, just throw in the easiest team. So let's say you got Yankees Astros and you've got... Uh, Cubs, yeah, I agree, yep. <laughs> Phillies, Cubs. Uh, Dodgers, Phillies, how about that? That'll work. <laughs> and the Dodgers and the Phillies are playing this game. And as you're watching the game, you see you could get shots of Aaron Judge sitting in the park watching the game. And maybe how are these guys reacting? Who do they want to play? I think there's fun stuff that you could have with this that would be unique and could be entertaining. Yeah, I think there's a, and there's so many routes you can go, right? Like I think as as long as we get baseball in some way shape or form this year, we'll be happy. Are you on that level? See, I'm on the exact same level. Okay. Um so, so wait, that's something that we will be discussing here in a bit, but okay. continue with your thought. Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, let's let's get, like I said, let's get crazy. The whole what it, what is the proposal? Seven playoff teams <laughs> in each league. Um, look, I don't know if I want that to be an every year thing, <laughs> but if like this, it's just like with the NHL with a twenty four team thing playoffs. Um, the NBA is having some proposed things, you know, that are a little unordinary. You know, let's let's get crazy this year, and then next year we can go back to normal when everything, hopefully, everything is back in place. Um, yeah. And, and I think that opens the door for leagues to be creative and, and find ways to implement things that maybe they would never implement in another season. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just I, – I, I mean, I am at the point where I'm happy as long as we get some baseball this year. But, you know, the, the sooner, obviously – the better for my sanity here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I want to talk about this idea of any form of baseball versus a specific form of baseball that we are conditioned to loving and what our thoughts are on this matter. So, okay, seven seven teams in each league. You gave your opinion on that. I guess I, I can talk about that in a second. We're also talking about a universal... DH. I think your standpoint is you are good with both of these for this year, and you would like to go back to how things are normally next year. Is that correct? That is my thought process, uh, specifically on the playoff thing. On the DH thing, um, I'm always for pitchers hitting, but the only thing here is I think we're doomed in that aspect. I think at some point they're going to make the change regardless. So I do think if they do implement it this season, that might be something where they use this 80 games, 100 games to kind of lay it out. And then if the fans like it, it might be something that sticks forever. I think that regardless of if the fans like it, they're still, they're going to keep it. And that's, that's something that I am not happy about because and I'll, I, we can debate DH a little bit here, and if you mm-hmm. disagree with me, I will welcome any argument about okay. the designated hitter. But I guess what I'll say first is that I'm with you. Let's get weird. Let's get crazy. We can do crazy stuff this year and try stuff out, and it could be fun. It could be mm-hmm. really interesting. But don't use this situation as an opportunity to force feed us all as fans, a new version of major league baseball, because we know that this 
universal dh thing has been going on for a while and there's been pushback and similarly there was talk about expanding the seven teams permanently before Mm -hmm. this whole pandemic spread so if you want to make that change come out and say it and tell us all give us the truth but don't shoehorn it in and use this crisis as a way to fundamentally change the league in a manner that because in my opinion you could tell me hey we want to have seven teams in these playoffs because we'll make up the rev make up some money that we're going to lose for having less games and i totally think that's fine i'm yep, i'm sense. good with that that makes mm-hmm. sense dh i don't entirely see why having the universal dh is going to is something that we need right now so that's where that's where i'm standing on that whole thing no that's very fair and yeah i mean it's a, it's a tough scenario obviously because uh, of the specific times like the nfl for example they just use their normal season to kind of test out rules. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with the, uh, the the good old pass interference rule that is already <laughs> deleted after one season, and maybe the worst rule in the history of sports ever added. <laughs> Let's get past that. The MLB, I, and Jack, I think I, I hate to say, like seriously, on the DH side, I do feel like I feel like once it's in, it's here. Yeah, I, I really do. Um, it's something that's been you know whispered about for what three four see like it, it continually is brought up over and over and over again and people always talk about baseball needs more runs we need more runs we need to the more runs the more fans kind of get involved which i don't really know if that's overly true but we'll we'll get past that like the steroid era yeah. kind of created that narrative but sure. um or at least more home runs i guess i should say <laughs> yeah. um maybe not more runs but um i just think it's it's something that where we're at right now if the i think it is a trial and error period like it might be something that's viewed as a trial and error period but i'm with you i don't know if that's the right approach um specifically testing things that you as a league probably want to keep in your league regardless and that's where that designated hitter thing comes in and we what we know about manfred so far is that he likes changing stuff and i'm more of a purist i'm more of a traditionalist I don't see why we need to skip the intentional walk entirely. I don't see how that enhances the viewing uh, experience of a baseball game. But here's what I'm going to say. And you can be, you're going to be probably more of the good cop on this anti-DH <laughs> stuff and I'll be the bad cop. I do not like the designated hitter at all. And I, I'm going to make a few reasons why here. Are you ready for this, Jordan? Yeah, break it down. Okay, so recently I've been going through baseball history a little bit with Ken Burns's baseball documentary series, which is an awesome look. If you're a baseball fan, you should absolutely watch it. And I think what a lot of people might not realize is that the National League is the original baseball league. It came before the American League. We're only about five years away from the National League turning 150 years old. And so to have the National League rules in play for 150 years, I think is pretty amazing. I think National League Baseball has, in my opinion, been far superior to American League Baseball 
in a lot of ways. And what I'll say is, if you disagree with me, that's okay. I actually, while it's entirely unfair that the leagues are different, I think that having that difference in those two leagues is kind of interesting and kind of fun. I think it makes those series more interesting. I think there's stuff they can do uh, with the rules that I think could make the DH a little more interesting with by having some leagues have it, or the American League have it, and the National League not have it. Uh, I'll give you a chance to cut in here for a second. I, I'm with you. Uh, I've, all, I've, I've always been... Um, pro watch a pitcher hit. Um, and one thing that I really like, Jack, about and it about, about pitchers hitting specifically is I am a small ball guy, and it the league almost frustrates me nowadays because small ball is so not commonly used at all. Yeah. Um, but I like the thought process of an eight hitter getting on, a pitcher bunting him over, and all of a sudden you have a runner on second one away. That to me is good baseball. Yeah. Um, whereas in the DA with a DH, your DH isn't a guy who's coming up there and bunning. I, I promise you that <laughs> consistently. <laughs> um, so uh, being a pro small ball guy, um, it yeah, I, I, I've never really loved the DH as a whole. Now, would it help my specific Phillies in some aspects? Probably. <laughs> um, we definitely have a couple guys who we would probably love to DH and throw in a different defensive replacement out there every day. Um, but, I mean, for the love of the game, I, I'm with you on that. I like the aspect of having a pitcher hit. And along with that, you mentioned like, the splits of the leagues. I think that does also make it interesting. Um, yeah. And I think it makes it fun, too. You get a little bit of the best of both worlds. If you're a DH fan, pick a team in the AL. <laughs> if you like watching <laughs> pickers hit, pitchers hit, um, pick a team in the NL. Um, but, yeah, I, I like the split. I think, I think it makes it fun. Yeah, I have a couple more points on the DH as a whole in a second. I will bring those. But Jordan, I think I have told you my idea to up the stakes for the All-Star game. Do you remember my idea? Up the stakes. Uh, it adds, mm, what was it? Was so it? my idea is I think this would be really interesting way that you could have the all-star game mean something, but not in a way that I think is entirely unfair. So let's say going back to that model that we used for a little over 10 years with the team that wins the all-star game, the, the, or sorry, the, the representative from that league that plays in the world series and that league wins the all-star game, they get home field. Well, what if instead of that, they get the opportunity to select between having home field or playing the world series under that league's rules. So an Mm, American league team, I remember remember this. Yeah. So you could American league wins the, wins the all-star game. And now you got the Yankees selecting, okay, let's, uh, do we want that extra game at home or do we want all games to be played with a DH? Because that is an advantage for the American League. But Mm -hmm. that's a way that you could even it out where one league gets to play with its rules and the other league gets the home field. Because in my opinion, I don't think if a team wins 108 games in the American League last year, that is not the same as like that's equivalent 
to w- winning a 98 last year, basically, <laughs> because the, there was such a big difference in terms of the quality of the teams in those leagues. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you totally have to have record determine home field. It's very different from other other sports. Well, yeah, and I think me and you are both pro give the all-star game as like make it worth playing <laughs> as much yeah. as much as you can humanly possibly do it without like forcing guys to try and injure other guys <laughs> literally try and, and add some extra stakes. I'm always for extra stakes in those games because it makes them more fun. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, I understand you can't do it in some league like the NFL. You do not want the pro bowl to become a game where guys are hitting hard, but in, <laughs> in, in, in the MLB, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, so I actually I like that proposal, and I think along with that, Jack, I think the uh, the decision behind it is even maybe more interesting. Yeah, because the thought process there would be, you know, that we we have Stanton who's banged up but probably can hit hit really well. Uh, do we want the, that extra home game, or do we want Stanton in our lineup for seven games? Uh, you know, something to that extent. It, there's risk and reward there, and Jack, I don't know. I think. NL teams would probably always take, I don't know though, because if you take the home field there, then all of a sudden you're playing AL rules and you got a DH for, I don't know. Yeah, there's, there's a, there's good thought process. I, I'd be more interested in the team's decisions there, I think. Yeah. Because for, for specific teams, it makes a lot of sense to take the DH, but for others, that extra home game can be huge. So I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I do like the proposal. Yeah. I think there are ways that we can change things in baseball without, entirely altering and erasing 150 years of National League history, but it does seem that it's a matter of time, and that's unfortunate. I love the fact, I've heard Jerry Seinfeld describe it as the democracy of baseball. (laughs) Everybody hits, everybody plays the field. Everyone, you can have a guy like Jose Altuve, and you can have a guy like Aaron Judge of different sizes, different shapes, and they have to fulfill their role in both sides of the diamond. Yeah, I mean, you still you still have to throw strikes to both of them, right, Jack? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Regardless of size, that's the great thing about baseball. Regardless of size, as long as you can make the plays and you can hit the ball, you can play. And that's something that's great about basketball too. But in basketball, we don't have a designated free throw shooter <laughs> where Shaq Shaq gets fouled. Um, and you can send J.J. Redick in there to hit those free throws for him. Yeah, you're, uh, you're, in, you're intentionally fouling Shaq eight <laughs> times in a row to begin a game <laughs> to get him on the free throw line. Jack, <laughs> Jack do not even mention uh, designated free throw shooter. Let's not even get that in the NBA's head. <laughs> that <laughs> cannot see, become that, a thing. I'm, I criticize, I've criticized several things about the NBA, but that's something that's great about basketball. And I think that that's something that, I think there are ways that we could tweak things to create interest without having to dramatically alter them. A couple other things on why you and I love National League rules. Okay, you mentioned the pitcher spot, just in general. I think what is often misunderstood from people who are on the page of the DH, it's not just that we want to see pitchers hit, but it really is different in terms of the approach of those leagues because when you have the pitcher spot, your lineup entirely resets. It's But whereas when you have a designated hitter, it 
doesn't matter as much in terms of your batting order because it's kind of like it can go in all these different directions. But to have a clear spot where you have a pitcher, your lineup automatically resets when that pitcher comes up to hit. And because along, it is that weak spot. Yeah, and along with that too, how much of an advantage is it to have a good hitting pitcher? I mean, yeah. we see it year in and year out. There's a couple guys, you know, the bum garners out there that can swing the bat well. That is a huge, huge asset to have. Um, and I'm I'm all for you know pitchers. Let's get in the batting cage in the offseason. Yeah. These are guys who you know, growing up, they hit their entire lives. In college is probably where it started to get cut down a little bit because it, you know, the, those those colleges don't want those guys swinging a bat. Probably they want it fully focused on. Uh, <laughs> well, one um, thing I will say is so at every other level of baseball, this is something that people will argue in favor of the DH. The DH has been implemented at every other level, but I think part of that is at the college level, it gives another guy an opportunity to get out there and get his at-bats. Which makes but, sense. Yeah. So for a guy who wants to get scouted, he gets more A-Bs. But on the downside of that, he's pigeonholed into being a DH. And Which is not, I can tell you right now, that's not what you want as a prospect. <laughs> absolutely not. And that's really unfortunate because there are guys who, they're such a good hitter, and they if they were playing first base, third base, even just left field, they're going to, like, those guys are such good hitters, they're going to be in the lineup uh, regardless of if there's a DH or not. And so it hurts them with their scouting reports. So I I actually don't like the fact that they have that at the college level and at the minor league level as well. I would agree with that as well. Um, And, I mean, at this point, like we said, we kind of see it coming. I mean, it's to me, the DH feels exactly like replay in the MLB just a couple years ahead, right? Um, it was essentially a lock to happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. You heard whispers about it a couple years beforehand, and then they finally implemented it. Now we get the, what, what is it, one challenge a game, or is it two, <laughs> is it two challenge, whatever it is. Um, but the, it sucks, Jack. But I, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's destined. <laughs> it, it's we, unfortunate. We can, we can debate how much we enjoy watching Bartolo Colon go up there and take a couple swings. <laughs> yeah, Bartolo Colon homers, and it was like a national holiday. It was amazing. Everyone was so happy. It was that was prime Twitter content that you wouldn't get otherwise. Jack, I think that's like a holiday at this point. I think I see that clip pop up on my timeline at least once a year. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing of beauty. Because it, because if you watch his if you watch his other swings, I mean he has one of the ugliest swings I've ever seen. <laughs> but when that I mean when he hit that homer, it was like the world stopped. It was it was great. It was fantastic. And we're just not going to be able to get those moments anymore here soon. Yeah, a couple other things, and we'll wrap this up uh, on the DH. But this is a good conversation, and it it needs to be had couple other reasons why I'm anti-DH. So when you have that lineup spot that resets, so I'll give you an example of the increased element of strategy that having the pitcher spot creates. So here's something that I find fascinating because I love baseball strategy. And a lot of the, uh, this is something that I, I think is often overlooked. I think that the league thinks that the stuff that they're, 
hardcore fans find interesting, their prospective fans do not find interesting. And I, I don't know how much changing stuff is going to bring in those new people and if that's worth ticking off your hardcores. Now, I will admit, as a hardcore fan, I'm never going anywhere. I love this sport. So that maybe they're right. But what I'll say is here's an example. So it's, I believe it was game one of the NLCS 2016, Cubs and Dodgers. And there's a situation where there are runners on base. Jason Hayward comes up with two outs, and he's in the eighth spot. Mm-hmm. And the Dave Roberts, you have Jason Hayward who is cold. He's probably going to hit a ground ball to second base, if we're being honest in this situation. <laughs> he's, uh, he's a good player, and he's played a lot better. With 16, he struggled a lot. So you could face a guy like Jason Hayward, and you can get that out, or you can walk him. And I believe John. it was either John Lester or Jake Arrieta. One of those two guys was cruising through the game. Mm-hmm. Now you walk Jason Hayward, and the Cubs have to make a decision. Are we going to bat John Lester, or are we going to have to take our pitcher out of the game? And what Dave Roberts effectively did was he got the Cubs, he got John Lester out of the game mm-hmm. by making that decision. Mm-hmm. Now, Miguel Montero hits a grand slam as a result, but there's so many just <laughs> it intricate. There. <laughs> it didn't pay off, but it was fascinating. It was really interesting. Well, yeah, I, I think this is this is a good conversation too. We don't have to go too in depth with it, but there's so much more strategy and, and more crucial decisions in ball games in the National League than there are the American League. Would you agree? Absolutely agree. It, yes, it, the the double switch aspect that we see come into play so often in NL games. How often do you see those in the AL? <laughs> you don't see as many pinch hitters in the American League either. Uh, for, probably for one specific reason. <laughs> no pitcher in the lineup. But yeah, I, I just think from... And Jack, I think baseball is a strategic game. I mean, you see it every single play with the shifts coming into play now. And, you know, guys trying to hit a pitch a certain way. Um, if it's pitched a certain way... I just think the strategy of it, that's why baseball is such a beautiful game. There's so much strategy behind it. There's so much thinking and you really have to pay attention to the entire field to get the gist of what is going through through each player's head on every play. So I'm with you on that. I do not like the aspect of taking strategy away from managers. I, I I like managers having to make big time decisions like that. Um, And the DH does take some of that away. Yeah. And I think another thing in, this is something that's an underrated fact. Jordan, do you have any friends who are not big sports guys, but baseball is the only sport they like? Because I, I have a few, and they're the type of guys that love that strategy aspect that baseball provides that other sports do not provide. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I probably do have a couple friends like that, ones that will go, you know, go enjoy a baseball game but not really be interested in an NBA or an NFL game. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I do have a couple friends like that. And I think, yeah, Jack, I think that's probably part of it. I think that's existent in pretty much every league. And so I think sometimes you got to play to your strengths. So that's where we stand. You and I have made our opinion known on the designated hitter. And this was a this was a fun conversation. I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah I think that was a really good, really good conversation. I don't know if that was our plan heading in on the whole <laughs> this whole topic, but I think a great conversation came out of it. Absolutely. Came, it, it was a lot of fun. So 
I'm trying to think if there's anything else that the DH... I guess I'll, I'll throw one more thing in there of why I don't love the DH. If you say, hey, I'm a baseball player, and someone says, what position do you play? You say, uh, I'm, I'm a designated hitter. <laughs> Isn't that a little embarrassing? That's not something you're... <laughs> let's, let's just say that's not something you're screaming. Those are, the, those are the type of guys who, if you're a designated hitter, you say whatever position you may have used to play, I think. Yeah. I don't think yeah. you roll with I'm a DH. <laughs> so the pros to it, it extends guys' careers, gives guys opportunities to keep playing. It does. Guys like Big Poppy, Edgar Martinez had awesome careers, yep. and their careers would have been somewhat different if they weren't able to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think the way it stands right now is pretty good. Well, yeah, and I have think, it in one league, not have it in the other. Yeah, and I think you see that in guys' careers too, especially for NL guys who you know can play defensively at least well enough defensively until they're about thirty-two. A lot of times, you see an AL team take a chance on a guy like that and toss him in a DH slot. And like you said, that that's kind of how their careers extend. But I do like the opportunity there, you know, for you know great great players who aren't great defensively, but they're great hitters play in the NL until you hit that age. And then, you know, if you can still hit the baseball at an elite level, that's where you make the move to the AL. Um, and I think, I think that kind of offers, like you said, offers an opportunity for them to extend their career if they can uh, continue to hit the baseball at that elite level. Yeah, so having established that, having a designated hitter is ultimately pro player. I would think that this is something that Aside from some of those guys like Bumgarner and some of the pitchers that want to swing the bat, Mm -hmm. if you're a guy who is a fringe starter, now all of a sudden you're going to get paid a lot more money because you're going to be looked at as a DH. So, and with that, I think the majority of pitchers probably are okay with a DH. You would, yeah. Yeah. Well, I I would say if I mean, there's probably pitchers. There's probably some of them that enjoy hitting, but I would think think it'd be. I would say it's, I think it's close to maybe 50-50, closer I to 50-50 the, Yeah, the only, the only flip side of that, I guess, is, is that there's no easy, you know, there's no pitcher on the other side. So when, yeah, exactly. Like when you're going through it, okay, yeah, yeah. So, so maybe not. Maybe they don't prefer Maybe they'd rather have the easy out and go up there and swing a couple times a game. I don't know. That would be an interesting One other thing, thing I like about, the design, about not having a designated hitter is – we get these stories every single year of pitchers throwing at guys' heads, and it's never okay to throw at a guy's head. I remember that happened with Chris Sale a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if Chris Sale is in the National League, he's not throwing at anyone's head because he has to answer for it in the batter's box himself. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I promise you. He might. It might have been a breaking ball instead of a fastball that he was <laughs> throwing. <laughs> well, he just throws it at the guy's butt. Yeah, something along those lines. As a pitcher, you do not want to stand in that box knowing you drilled somebody on the other team the inning before. I, pro- I promise you that. <laughs> That's not an enjoyable experience. All right, let's move on. But in relation to the designated hitter, not the concept of the designated hitter, I do think that this is something that is maybe sweetens the pot a little bit for the players moving forward. Maybe that's something that... These guys are going to lose some money, but hey, we're moving towards having this DH. The position players, I would think, for the most part, are going to be pretty happy about that. Yeah, I would agree. I'd be interested to hear the pitchers' thoughts on that. Because it might be, like yeah. a, like you said, a 50-50 thing, but 
I'd like to hear some opinions and whether they would enjoy that or not. I also want, I mean, we've seen some guys who pitch in the national league and then they go to the AL and their EA ERA kind of shoots up. Yeah. <laughs> so it could be something where, yeah, I don't know. That would be an interesting, uh, interesting question to get from like a, I want to, I want that surveyed to a group of MLB pitchers and see what their thoughts are. Yeah. I'd love that. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So we've talked about how the logistics of this deal, how it could happen, how it can't happen. We all want it to happen. And we've made our thoughts known on these potential rule changes. Let's talk about another couple of things in the MLB category. And then we can talk about NBA. Uh, we got some time here. So with the MLB, let's. I'm going to throw out a question to you, Jordan. If this season does not happen, who does that hurt the most? Not from a financial standpoint, but just from looking at, oh, man, this is a great opportunity for us. 2020, we had a great team going into the season, and now we were lost, stripped of that opportunity. I think the Dodgers come to mind because you lose Mookie Betts after making that trade, and that would be, I'd feel bad for the Dodgers. Who? What, what are your thoughts? Who do you think has the most to lose from a championship standpoint if they lose this season well i think you for that question jack you have to look initially at the elite contenders so the teams that kind of everybody's looking at as favorites um i think the yankees obviously lose a bit here um heading into this year a lot of teams or a lot of people i think view them as the overall favorite um you touched on the mookie Betts scenario and the dodgers yeah i think the dodgers are a clear potential loser here um my fills are probably a loser here as well because JT Real Muto all of a sudden becomes a free agent after this year, and that becomes an interesting scenario of once he hits the open market, how do, how exactly uh, how much are they going to pay him? He's the you know the whole catcher debate when they turn thirty. Um, so those are kind of the three teams for me that come to mind. Yeah, I, I would think any any contenders though, anybody who's heading into this season thinking you know we're a top three, top five contender, you have to really, really want this season to happen because, as you know, it's not always easy to maintain teams like that. Yeah, I I think you're right on the money there, and it can't be. It's not said, but this is going to hurt everyone because as much as it's going to sting for those teams at the top. You look at a team like the Mariners, the Marlins, even a team like maybe even the Reds, a team that are a trendy pick for this season that a lot of people like as maybe a wild card team. And now all of a sudden they're not going to have that opportunity to develop talent. And then you, you look at the teams like the Mariners, like the Marlins, who have young talent, the White Sox. And I guess in the in the White Sox case, you're looking at a contender, but even teams that are rebuilding, you need to get those guys every day major league at bats in order to push the program forward. Well, Jack, and I think everybody's kind of a loser uh, in the aspect of you know losing a full season like that. Yeah, like think of the. I mean, the Cubs are losing a year of Bryant's and Bias's prime and Rizzo's primes here. Uh, I mean, those all three of those guys are free agents uh, after next season. Exactly. And you can I mean, you can say that about any team, though. You know, you're losing a prime year or on the flip side, if it's a young guy, you're losing, like you said, one of those developmental years and where they're on those really, really 
big cheap rookie contracts too. Um, so it's a, I mean, if you lose this baseball season, I mean, that that's just a monster loss all across the board. Uh, I don't think any team really, I, I know it'd be really frustrating if you're a contender, but still not being able to develop some of those young guys, it's a, it's a big loss for every single team in the league if it does end up happening. General ideas on my next question. This is pretty much it in terms of Major League Baseball, but if we get 80 games, if we get 100 games, if it happens, just from, I, I know you didn't have a whole lot of time to think about this, and I'm putting you <laughs> on the spot, but who do you think, what are some potential ways that we could see teams maximize on having a smaller schedule yeah that's an interesting thought i think a lot of it depends on if you get a couple added roster slots which i I think in this scenario we're probably going to expect if they do um and i think pitching wise jack i think that opens up a lot of things when you're in a uh, an 80 game season i mean it literally cut in half that really makes every game two times more important. Um, and that kind of opens up the opportunity where if you don't have a great fifth starter, we might see a lot more bullpen games if you're able to have yeah. um, some extra arms in there with the added roster slots. So I think that could come into play. Um, I don't I don't know if I can give you any specific team examples here, just kind of off because I'm kind of off the spot here. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, general concepts. How about another thing you could... I, this is just I'm just throwing mm-hmm. it out there. I don't know uh, if it could happen, if it could not happen. But if you don't have a whole lot of depth and you have three stud mm-hmm. pitchers, are you going to have them throw more innings in a shorter period of time? Do they need to have a full six or seven months? Is it not good to have them throw as many innings as they normally would in a smaller period of time? Maybe, maybe not, maybe not, but maybe you give them, you still up in terms of you have, maybe you have Scherzer going eight innings a little more often. Maybe, maybe some of these starters go a little deeper into games. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. And I think a lot of that may depend on how these teams view the secondary spring training. Like, do they view these guys as while they had a full, you know, full repertoire to get ready for the year? Or are they viewing this as, oh, they had a shortened spring training, so we need to kind of, you know, ease up on the amount of innings they throw. It could very easily go both ways. You would expect the extra months to help them, but maybe that isn't the case um, for some teams. I'm, 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 yeah, I think it's interesting, but I'm just not sure how teams would view that. Um, but I do think the extra arms will help a lot. One, you won't see any bullpens kind of drain the way you do. But yeah. along with that, too, every game becomes more important. So yeah. maybe some of these guys are maybe some of these guys are throwing every day. I know a lot of times, you know, you don't like to throw a closer three days in a row, or you know, you don't like to throw a reliever two days in a row if they throw over it, whatever it is. Maybe you see that swapped up a little bit with each game becoming more important. I think it'll be really interesting to see how pitching staffs are managed this year because I think you could see it in both ways. You could see more bullpen. You could mm-hmm. also so if you are a team and bullpenning is your greatest strength and your pitching rotation isn't as strong and your your strong suit is your bullpen, then those teams are going to be able to maximize on that to a greater extent. Maybe having more bullpen games, maybe having more having your bullpen guys pitch more than an inning at a time. Maybe that's it, or maybe it's the other way, and maybe you're using starting pitchers in relief, 
in occasions like you see in the playoffs. Yeah. I, and I think, you know what, that, that puts more pressure on these managers. Now, doesn't it, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> more decisions to make as the season's going on. And real quick, I know we're probably about to move on from the MLB, but with a shortened season like that, we see teams get hot early in years all the time, yeah. Jack. That could make for some interesting runs from some teams. <laughs> you know, you get hot for the first 40 games, and all of a sudden you're able to sneak in, especially with a seven-team playoff. Like, all of a sudden, we may see some teams we don't expect make it to the postseason. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. There's really much – you have 60 to 80 games less wiggle room if you get off to a bad start. Mm-hmm. And that – teams could just be paralyzed – by the at, by the end of the first month if they have a really bad start to their season and with that you know one injury you know you see so many times yeah. teams are banged up in april what if they're banged up in july when they're playing 20 other or they're playing a fourth of their season you know all of a sudden it be, becomes even more important kind of to get off to a good start and make sure your key guys stay healthy okay last thing and we'll go through this quickly we've been able to move through these last few quickly which is good um let's talk about Briefly, seventeen playoffs. We're talking about how this thing could go. We're both on board with, hey, if that's what it takes, we're all for it for this year. We do not. I don't think you want to see seven teams in each league make the playoffs. I think really, I'm I'm surprised that the NFL expanded their playoffs, but I think the old NFL model is the perfect model for your divisions, for how many playoff spots you have, six in each league, thirty-two teams so you expand to two more teams and then you could have the six teams in each league but until then i'd think where you're at right now five in each league is just fine and dandy for what they're doing do you know how the seven teams looks is it is it just the the division winners and then the top four records after that is that how that's expected to look i I believe so i'm I'm not entirely sure but and i wonder if it's going to be just two wild card games then with the, the, the four teams on top of the division winners, or I wonder how that'll look. Yeah, it could be. I don't totally understand it, but the big problem with it, especially in baseball, and this is why we this should never this should not be done past this year. We don't want March Madness in baseball because <laughs> baseball is such a fluky sport where even just by having a five game series in that first round, as opposed to a seven game series. And this is where a lot of the criticism against the wild card comes because the wild card game is awesome entertainment, but you are taking a 162 game season and making it just a one game play in. And what you could end up having that would not be satisfactory. And it just does not work for baseball. I think it can work for a lot of other sports, but baseball with that, I think we all, we like it the way it is. We like that there are 162 games. We like that the regular season matters. We don't want to see the Mets and the, uh, gosh, give me another mediocre team making that run for the world series. Uh, The Mets are a, Great example. They a couple of those NL Central teams probably. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh my gosh. roll with roll with you know Arizona or Colorado. You know, somebody like that makes. Well, it I run. know. I think one of the reasons why they want to expand this thing so bad is they want more Trout playoff games. 
Well, and that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> you need that, your best I'm player. I'm good with that part, but I don't. <laughs> I mean, there's well, so here's many the, teams. Here's the, the dangerous part when you add something like that is okay, the seven seed Mets get in, and Jacob DeGrom throws a complete game shutout. Yeah. In the first wild card game to get there, and then Syndergaard throws a gem in the second yeah. round. You know, you get these dangerous scenarios where these teams really aren't very good, but they have these ace arms. And I guess not Syndergaard this year because of the Tommy John, but you get the point <laughs> of where I'm going. Um, it just it, it, it opens up dangerous opportunities for mediocre teams to make deep runs. Um, as, and that I mean, that's completely based on the one game playoff like that. Those teams aren't going to beat the great teams in five game series or seven game series, but they're able to steal some games here and there in playoff runs because of their great arms. Yeah, Absolutely. So that's why we don't want that to become a permanent fixture. But I think we're we just want it to have baseball. I think it could be fun for what it is this year because I hopefully and you can't say for certain, but I don't think we're going to have another uh, circumstance like this that just makes everything so crazy that is just you have to plan stuff on the fly. Let's hope not. Yeah, let's hope not. Let's hope this is our one year kind of hope the seasons get done and then after that we kind of go back to the standard yeah so maybe the answer is the teams that are obviously helped the most out by this is the mediocre teams <laughs> well yeah when i mean when seven teams can get in all of a sudden those mid <laughs> the mid majors that are able to sneak in with a late bid can somehow make a run i agree <laughs> it'll make for a fun postseason but a dangerous one for some of those top seeds yeah in college basketball you have 64 teams, which is a lot, playing for a championship. But there are over 300 schools in Division One, so it makes sense. So, like, that is a fifth. Let's just say that's a fifth of all the teams. Exactly. So, seven out of 30, that that's almost half. Or, sorry, that's almost a third. And then you go to four. Yeah, and 14 would make it be seven from each, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that'd be literally half the league. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that that's yeah. that is half. Yeah, yep. that's correct. Or I guess almost half, but yeah, you get well, where that, we're go- you get where you're going. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right, Jordan. Let's talk some NBA. So it sounds like tomorrow is going to be an important day. I believe Adam Silver is going to be on a conference call with the owners of the National Basketball Association. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I hope uh, by not saying governors, I hope uh, people aren't upset. <laughs> but the term governor just gets me all confused. <laughs> Jordan, I saw I saw this. It said Adam Silver is going to talk with the 30 governors tomorrow. And I was very confused. I thought he was, this was a, are the states going to allow yeah, them to play? Yeah, I was about to say. Are they discussing terms of how many people there are? allowed to have in an arena or something along those lines (laughs) (laughs) but it seems like this is encouraging it seems like we're on the path right now the players seem like they want to come back it seems like the stars are really pushing things forward here and we could have the nba at disney world at the end of june potential or end of july it might be it might be a little while and their debate right now, correct me if I'm wrong, Jack, is whether to jump into the playoffs yeah. or have like a very short end of the regular season and then get to the playoffs, correct? I think that's yeah. what they're debating. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, and I think they've kind of settled on 16 teams, like the, the standard postseason. I think the only thing they're debating on that end, potentially, is 
I think they might they might be debating reseeding, and then it doesn't matter what conference you're in. So, like for example, oh. yeah, for example, Milwaukee would be the one, and the Lakers would be the two of the interesting. 16. Yeah, and it, I've seen that tossed around. I think that would make for a really interesting playoffs. Um, the only problem is that kind of does open up. Well, I guess travel wouldn't be an issue, but that does open up potentially uh, one side maybe being a little lopsided depending on how it actually yeah. works. Um, but we'll have to. It's see. too bad because they've been talking about the best of sixteen yep. thing for well over ten years now. Well, yeah, and no. this year, out of all the years, it seems to make the most sense to stay east and west. Well, yeah, you would think. <laughs> you would think, <laughs> but given the times, I mean, the the MLB is talking about some crazy things. The NHL is yeah. talking about crazy <laughs> things in their postseason. If it comes to it, if they're able to get it locked in. It could be an opportunity to potentially uh, toss it in there. So I've heard there's potential. They're talking about, do we want to do some type of a play-in tournament? Or do we have teams say, we start with 24 teams, so the bottom six teams are out, similar to NHL. Mm -hmm. And then you have a couple of regular season-type games or a little play-in tournament for Mm -hmm. some of those teams at the bottom. That's some stuff that I have heard. Yeah, and I think that is kind of what sparked Damian Lillard's recent comments, right? Because he, yeah. he came out and he said, if I'm not a playoff team or if I'm not in the postseason, I'm not playing these these random <laughs> these random five regular season games they want me to go through because it's just not worth the risk, right? If it, yeah, and it's, that makes a whole lot of sense. Uh-huh. I mean, these guys are so competitive, but now you're just going to make teams that don't have any shot at competing just there play, as your yeah, essential spring games. training type yeah <laughs> minor exactly. league players there now it'll be even more interesting jack so say we get to the 16 team playoff and everything's agreed and stuff there's gonna be there has to be some serious rust right <laughs> if yeah. there's no right like if they don't put in the regular season couple games there to kind of get things going you're gonna see some guys who haven't played real basketball since what when was the season kind of paused off what was that i mean it's been almost three yeah, months almost now. three it was, months it was around march and the, 10th or and, so and you, i think was yeah around, and you always see happened. guys kind of talk about real game shape versus just you know in shape um it, especially nba wise um i think you that would be really really interesting and, and could cause for some Maybe, I mean, first round, if some of those top teams are rusty. They might drop some games they wouldn't standardly. Yeah. Hey, that could make it a little interesting oh, to there, watch. Yeah, there you go. Because normally the first round of the NBA, apart from maybe one or two series, <laughs> isn't no, always the best product. Yeah, I'm totally cool if they were to. All right. So if they were to experiment the other way and say, we're just going to have six teams in each league make the six. playoffs. And you just trim the fad a little bit. So the seven and eight are gone. Yeah. And that that could be kind of interesting. That could be kind of cool because then you kind of fast forward a little bit and skip through. Like, why are we going to make LeBron and the Lakers play? I mean, who is the eight seed? Memphis. Memphis. The under 500 Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. Which I think from a marketability standpoint, you want more games. And John Morant, you can kind of boost his star power up a little bit. So maybe maybe I'm wrong in that regard. But I think I would be totally cool with let's just have let's go back to the way it was 15 years ago where that first round of the playoffs is only five games. Yeah. 
Well, that, that would certainly make things move quicker if that, if that was the goal. <laughs> if that was the goal, but that also, I mean, that brings a lot more pressure in that 4-5 matchup. Or I guess, in the, what would that be? That would be a 3-4 matchup. In each well, half. no, well, I wouldn't say, we wouldn't do the five-game thing if we took out 7-8. and oh, eight, okay, okay, okay. I see what you're saying, okay. Yeah, I and I do think the, the thing that it would be really tough if you're telling these guys, hey, we told you you'd get a playoff spot if you finish in the top eight. You're not going to get it. That's not going to sit yeah, well. Yeah, it's not going to go well at all, especially so that, for the, the for the Dallas Mavericks, who are the seventh seed in the West at 40 and 27. <laughs> We're going to keep Luka <laughs> yeah. Doncic out of the playoffs going 13 games over. <laughs> so I think we've heard all kinds of ideas because that's something that I had heard thrown out there mm-hmm. that maybe they trim the fat and they make it a little less. So there's a lot of different directions they can go in. But it sounds like we're moving in the right direction. This Walt Disney World idea is pretty interesting. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's a really cool location. Now, the only question here is I just saw parks are opening on like June 15th or something. So that doesn't really scream the whole we're quarantined (laughs) in this small area where nothing is going on. Um, That would that kind of defeats the purpose, I think, Jack. Um, But I, I mean, I do like the idea of kind of having it at a set location where all everybody's in one spot. Disney World would be a cool location for it. Um, but I, I, yeah, given what is being announced, I'm just not sure how that's a great fit. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. And then here's the, we're going to run through this. Uh, we, well, we don't have too much time and we're moving at a pretty good rate here, but yep. we're going to, I'm going to ask you basically the baseball question in terms of teams. Okay. What does this mean? Who is inconvenienced by moving these circumstances other than the teams that obviously will miss the playoffs and maybe they don't have a chance at competing, such as Dame Lillard? But how about the teams that are in the playoffs? Who could this potentially help and who could this hurt? And are we are we talking if a season didn't happen or if a season did happen? Let's talk about first before we talk about if a season didn't happen. How about just teams that if we go we take away home court and maybe this is a shortened playoff stretch and there's all this rust who could be inconvenienced the most by that? Well, you have to look at teams with really strong home court advantages here. Yeah. Um, so I think Toronto we've kind of seen over time has been a, a tough place to play throughout the years. And obviously there's a two seed in the East. I think that's one. Uh, if we're going to talk Eastern conference, I think Boston and Miami Jack make a lot of sense. Um, Boston just known as a tough place to play in Miami. It seems like nobody can ever win there. I think the Miami nightlife may have something to do with that a little bit. I mean, on the West side of things, you know, not too many of these teams have you know that strong of home court, specifically in the NBA, I don't think. But, I mean, I guess, I mean, the majority of these teams, too, are on the West Coast. So maybe if you go to Disney, that kind of changes things. It changes your regimen a little bit. Um, but I think they'd have time to figure out the whole time zone swap there. Um, so I don't think it affects too many teams on the West Coast if a season were to end up being played. What do you think? Yeah, I think there are definitely some cases where you could really go either way on. Maybe a team like the Clippers don't particularly have a super strong home court mm-hmm. in general. Now, they're not, they're not getting an advantage by moving away from L.A. No one's getting an advantage from this, yeah. but they're a team that maybe isn't as affected by it. 
and maybe there are other teams like Oklahoma City where they have a pretty exciting home crowd. And now I don't think anyone's expecting OKC to <laughs> make a run yeah. at the, the title, but they're losing out on that. Or maybe another one, Utah. Fair. They have some pretty great fans. So I think that though maybe that's that's really the only way I can really look at it. The rest of it we can't really there's so many underlying things that we just don't really know about. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I don't think we can really predict that. Okay, Jordan, this is our real I think our last topic here and then we're finished for today. How about if this season were to for some reason not get played? Now, it looks really encouraging right now, but if for whatever reason they aren't able to finish this season, who does this hurt the most? Yeah, I think you're in a really good spot. And like I, I, I'm pretty confident, Jack, that we get a finish to this NBA season yeah. right now. The way it's looking, um, it's been a pretty well-run league as a whole since Adam Silver's taken over. I think they'll figure something out. Um, the obvious answer here if a season weren't to happen would be the Lakers, I think. Um, given how good they look throughout the season, given LeBron's age, this is kind of one of the, I think this is one of the last, you know, two, three years at most where he's going to look at just peak form. I think he's been fantastic all year, but you have to wonder how long he can keep this up. I mean, yeah. he's an alien at this point, given age and given production. Um, and then on the other side of things, you're losing one of those years uh, with Milwaukee, you're losing one of yeah. Giannis's rookie year contract before you're going to have to pay him the supermax, and then that kind of, uh, you know, we always see that kind of cuts the windows. It cuts who you can add around. He has such a good roster around him. Not necessarily a ton of superstars, but really good role player fits. Whenever you have to pay him the huge, huge contract, you're going to lose some of those guys around him. Um, so I think they're they're a clear one that it also hurts. Um, I think those are the top two that come to mind. I guess the only other one, really, I guess the Clippers would come to mind too. It's always the top contender, Jack. That's who yeah. I see um, lose. But this is one of the years where you're able to have Kawhi and Paul George together. Um, and we see these the NBA duos, Jack. They're together for a couple of years, but they never seem to last overly long. Um, and the Clippers were a clear title contender this year. So I think it obviously affects them as well. Yeah, I think anytime the teams at the top are the ones that are hurt the most. And it's like, again, how how is this happening when the Golden State Warriors are missing the playoffs? Like what how are they just the team that gets all the breaks? <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, some way, Jack. And they're gonna come out of this with the number one pick. <laughs> oh gosh. I agree on both fronts. I think the Lakers, and by the way. Here's the, the thing that's going to be most annoying about this whole thing. Number one, I am so done with ranking NBA players all time. I'm not interested in anyone's lists. I, I see these people who weren't alive to watch certain players play who they probably have only seen like two games of NBA hardwood classics. <laughs> and they're going to somehow give me their expert opinion on Twitter. And these aren't, these are people who aren't even verified and they're, all trying to sound really smart about their opinion. And it's just like, man, can we move past this? I'm really done with ranking guys all time. Like all time greats are all time greats. Hall of Famers are all famers. Guys are great. And if the Lakers win the title this year, the whole thing this summer is going to be, they didn't win a real title. 
that that's that's going to be one side and then the other extreme is going to be this is the greatest title that you could ever win because they had to do it overcome fashion (laughs) yeah and like there's truth to I think I think it would be impressive in a lot of ways because it got disrupted and everything like that. But a champion's a champion, and we don't need to rank how the greatest champions are and what's a real champion and what's not a champion. And that's the part that I'm not looking forward to. And it's going to happen with anyone. I mean, if if Houston makes a run here, people are going to discredit their championship. And that's that's the unfortunate, annoying thing about this whole thing. Yeah, and I think we can say we. I mean, you could probably say that for every league, right? I mean, if if in the MLB yeah. too, we may see that with a shortened season. Oh, it was a shortened season; it doesn't doesn't count. Uh, yeah. I'm on your end. A ring is a ring. Even Kevin Durant, even Kevin the... Durant's Warriors rings count. They all count <laughs> as much as we may not want them to count as fans. As some and it's years. not. In, it's going to be at its peak, most of irritation if the Lakers win because that is agree. going to be it's a LeBron thing <laughs> it's going yeah it's going to be LeBron is thing this, is number four yeah it, does this make him does this weaken his case as one of the <laughs> like the best player ever as does this strengthen his case and it's like who who cares like yeah, let's just stop let's but, let's stop let's appreciate the fact one that we were able to get a basketball season in <laughs> yeah and that's where I feel like that. you could be people could be hypocritical if they're like oh i just want i want it to come back and then they get a result that they don't like and they're going to say oh they're not a real champion and it's just the like ultimate, well you watched it the ultimate one for that would be a james harden ring <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would break people <laughs> that or, would absolutely break people would it be would james harden winning a ring or russell westbrook winning a ring which, no, <laughs> which one there we go I think both of them are fantastic choices. And, that, and we get the two-in-one special with that as well. <laughs> and I'm actually, I almost might would, be rooting for that to happen. <laughs> yeah, same. I, I kind of would like to see that happen in a weird way. Yeah, that would be a very fun playoffs to discuss <laughs> when yeah. all said and done. Let's stick fun it. Fun in some ways. That. that would be a lot more fun than the LeBron thing, I think. We're much more likely to find the other one. <laughs> yeah okay i will give a couple i i co-sign what you said about the clippers here's something on the clippers paul george and Kawhi. they signed two-year deals mm-hmm. so now this season let's say this season gets wiped out and all of a sudden you're going into next year as the contract year as potentially things breaking up that mm-hmm. that would be just unbelievable. I feel really bad for the hardcore Clippers fans that are out there for everything they've had to endure if that got stripped away from them. Whereas from a fan standpoint, the Lakers fans, hey, Parker, I know you're listening. <laughs> uh, they've gotten a lot to enjoy. So it would it would really hurt, obviously, all the guys on that team and everything that they've been going for, especially after losing Kobe and all of that. But... Uh, from a fan perspective, the Clippers thing would just be devastating. Yeah, I think that's fair. I guess from a Lakers standpoint, you know, all the fans want a LeBron reign to kind of yeah solidify, of yeah solidify what he's doing there. But I think the other important thing you mentioned the Clippers to note: those are two guys who aren't haven't necessarily had, had the the best health throughout their careers too. Yeah. So all of a sudden, if this season were to get wiped out, you know, I hate to go here, but one of them got injured next season. That would really, yeah. really suck for that two-year window. 
Yeah, and I also agree with the Bucks. I think you could. We see how quickly things change in this league right now. Uh, the yes, days <laughs> of the '90s, what we just focused on uh, with the Last Dance, which I absolutely loved, and seeing how those teams were sort of together for ten years, mm-hmm. twelve years, yep. Malone and Stockton together for the, all those years. You just don't see that anymore. You get players who want to move all of a sudden. A guy like Kyrie Irving, who seems to love Boston, just freaks out and wants to leave so quickly. Things change over the course of a year. And let's just say everything stays the same with Milwaukee. But all of a sudden, a team like Philly or Boston adds another superstar. Mm -hmm. And now you're looking at a dominant team in the East, potentially, and their competition just being greatly stronger mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Definitely something that can happen. There's a lot of teams kind of right around that too. You know, Toronto lost Kawhi and is 46 and 18. Yeah. They're probably going to have some cap space to mess around with. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's these teams that kind of always stay around and seem like they're one player away. And it feels like that almost every year in the East. Like you have the top one or two teams and then like the three through six or three through seven are teams that feel like they're like one player away. It feels like the Sixers have been kind of here for what, three or four seasons now? <laughs> um, but yeah, the, it, it would be a monster loss for Milwaukee given kind of how they've been head and shoulders ahead of everybody this season in terms of on the Eastern side. All right, Jordan, we covered everything we could today. This was a lot of fun, and I look forward to discussing the NL Central with you sometime this weekend and the listeners of this podcast being able to listen to that sometime over the next couple of weeks. Looking forward to it, Jack, and thanks for having me as always. Are you back on Twitter right now? Do you have a Twitter handle that you can <laughs> no. throw out there? I do not. I'm, I'm currently still IP banned from Twitter. Okay. We're working on getting it back. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for your time today. We will talk soon. Sounds good, Jack. Thanks again. What an awesome job by Jordan Morandini. He did a great job today. It was a lot of fun speaking with him. Thank you to Jordan for joining me. Thank you to all of you, the listeners. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or follow the Jack Vita Show Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show. Twitter and Instagram handle is at Jack Vita Show. That's the name of this podcast. Pretty easy to find, no spaces in between. If you would like to please leave a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, that would be really great for this podcast moving forward. It does so much good. There was a week where we had about 10 people leave reviews back in March. And as a result, the algorithm in Apple, we had some of the highest numbers that we've ever had in terms of downloads that week. I don't think it's a coincidence. You'd be doing a great deal of help if you can just leave a five-star rating and review, write a few kind words, and it will go a long way for me. It'll go a long way for this podcast. You can also subscribe to The Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Wherever it is that you get your podcast, I just noticed this week that this podcast had not been on Stitcher, so I contacted Stitcher, I set it up so you can now listen on Stitcher and Google Podcasts for that matter. So 
available in all kinds of locations. Please follow along. It'll do us a lot of good and you will always be aware whenever there is new fresh content available. As I mentioned, I have an NL Central preview that will be coming out soon. I'll have some other fun content coming out soon as well. I hope you guys all enjoyed this and I hope you're all doing well in this time, staying positive and trusting God. Until next time, I'm Jack Vita, bringing the dance of lobsters. <laughs>